Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Amazing Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network podcast that was outlawed at the treaty of versailles but nobody seems to be enforcing that so here we are i am jared stormer of maizeandbrew.com with me as always is andy bailey my hetero life mate also of maizeandbrew.com andy you human equivalent of the seasoning mix that goes on cool ranch doritos how you doing brother feeling great man it's good to be back here continuing our positional preview podcast it's been a hot ass week outside but good memorial day lots of beer drunk and i mean you're out there hitting the links like the I mean, you were the best of us. You got to tell them about that golf swing you had. Uh, yeah. First eagle of my life. Uh, been playing golf since I was like 12 years old. Never had one couple birdies in there. So that was exciting. Uh, that's like probably as good as it's going to get for me. Sports highlight wise. I'm not dunking at this point. I don't think I'm getting called up to play for the Lions. I think that's it for me. And uh, that's all right. I can live with that. I mean, got you out there winning 100 mile races through the desert, but. Uh, we can't all be like you, sir. I I just run, I just run far distances. I am I have zero skill when it comes to that. It's just you know um, insanity, um, you know personality disorders, you know the usual things that fuel you to do something that dumb. Ungodly stamina, yeah. Please, sir, you you talk ill of yourself. We won't have it on this podcast. Uh, but what we will have on this podcast is. Uh, some good discussions, uh, some off-season discussions on the position group. We're going to keep that going, as you mentioned. But before we get into that, let's get into some quick hits here. Uh, first one being the Block M has now entered the NIL chat room. 
UM student athletes will now be able to utilize the power of the trademark with the NIL partnership through the Brander Group. So basically what this means is Michigan players can benefit off of their name image likeness while also bringing in the Block M, the Michigan logo, anything like that. So this is a potentially big move for Michigan. As far as I know, the first university to do this. And uh, I think you're going to start seeing some dividends on this as well. But uh, Michigan clearly making some moves on the NIL trail. This is great. I mean, especially with the mudslinging uh, coming last week from Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M and Nick Saban in Alabama regarding NIL, the who's and what's and don'ts of it. This is a great move. Just adds the allure and uh, hopefully gives the boost, the recruiting trail that you and I are still holding out for. Jay Harbaugh, who we'll get to later, has been doing some good things in the St. Louis area. So this just makes Michigan a little bit more enticing. And when these battles on the recruiting trail get like you know down to the nitty-gritty, the, small, the smallest things matter. And this is a big deal for them and a big deal for the university. I'm glad to see them do it. Very progressive move. It is a progressive move, and it's uh, in an area that, like we mentioned, some people were criticizing Michigan for not really being at the forefront of. I haven't seen that. I think Michigan, from everything that I've heard and everything that I've read, has been making that effort to be in the forefront of this NIL deal. Um, anything that, uh, you know, maybe they were lacking in before seems like they've caught up and then some. So this is going to be big. Now, the article does not say but I believe that this means that they should be able to make money off of their Jersey sales if they weren't before, but also now like they could appear in video games. I think it's going to open the door for that as well. So it's very interesting kind of the precedent that this sets um, as they're kind of just still figuring out how the NIL works. It's definitely in its infancy. So as decisions like these come through and as you see universities make kind of these, um, you know, groundbreaking decisions like this, it's precedent setting in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure about some of the finite details of it all and if they are going to be able to, you know, profit off the jersey sales, but it seems like it's definitely trending in that direction. This isn't a, a boon to that in any way. So, no, this is great. And I, I wonder if there's going to be more licensed apparel at games, more jerseys with names on them and more t-shirts and a bunch of different things because the block M is one of the most universally recognized brands, not just in college football, but of all of sports. So putting that on there, like pictures of players now, jerseys, I mean, the options are limitless. So I think this is a win all around and it's good to see the university embracing it. Which jerseys are you uh, in possession of? You have one or two. I have a Tom Brady jersey, and then I have a just a, a white nameless jersey. That's it. Got you. I got two. So uh, the, the individuals that I bought jerseys for did not receive any of that. So I guess that means I'll just have to buy another one. That's fine. And uh, if you were going to buy a jersey of any player on this team this year, who would you get? Oh, that's a great question. Last year, I got the, uh, the T-shirt jersey of Blake Corum. Man. Is you know, as nerdy and weird as we are, I feel like I would love to get a jersey of somebody like DJ Turner or just complete like Swerve here, like a Zach Zenter jersey. I'm just take my money. I love it, man. You stole DJ Turner right from, out from underneath me. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's so traditional to have one of the like the, the two main ones that they sell in the M Den, you know, like everybody's gonna have a Corum or a JJ. Um, who else might be running around? Maybe a Ronnie Bell you'll see, but it would be cool to get like one of the lesser known guys, like a Nakai Hill Green or something like 
just to be the only guy rocking that. But yeah, DJ Turner, probably my answer as well. And don't sleep on the Brad Robbins jersey sales either, because I'll get one of those. Don't tempt me. <laughs> oh, man, can't wait. We're going to talk about him when we get the most likable guys on this team. Uh, next quick hit. This is an interesting one. I just read this this week. Jet Howard, now a uh, Michigan guard slash forward. I have no idea where they're going to play him, but he's about six 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 seven. So uh, very interesting. But he's playing Carmelo Anthony in the LeBron James movie Shooting Stars, which is a horrible name. Um, and I don't really know exactly what this movie is going to be, but it sounds like it's um, on the rise of LeBron James, um, which is a bold move to make a movie about yourself when you're still playing. But that's about what I expect from LeBron. But uh, how do you feel about Jet Howard playing Carmelo Anthony? I mean, the hair's kind of there. Um, similar ish body, uh, different, different game, though, different game than Carmelo Anthony. Man, this is. <laughs> This is such a self-serving ego trip by LeBron, even for his standards. So the whole premise and thing is just ridiculous. But um, Judd Howard, I'm not expecting much. The basketball scenes in the movie are going to be elite, so that's going to be a plus in the film. But I'm not expecting him to be Denzel Washington. He's a teenage kid. So good on him for doing this. Hopefully he can see some money, and these aren't just like indentured servants on the cast here. But I don't know how that impacts eligibility and everything yet. So um Interested to see this movie, just really because of Jed Howard. I might just fast forward the rest. Yeah, uh, I don't know how you don't cast Bronny James as young LeBron James either, but you get Jed Howard to come in and play Carmelo. Um, and also, LeBron and Carmelo faced off in a nationally televised pay-per-view game in high school. And in that game, James scored 36 points. Uh, Anthony scored 34, had 11 rebounds, and Oak Hill won that game. It was like a pretty epic clash, and they're going to show that in the movie. So uh, I know I know Jed Howard's like throwing down dunks and absolutely dunking all over LeBron James. So it'll be nice to see uh, Jed Howard dunking over fictional LeBron James, I guess. So we have that to look forward to. And yeah, I'm not expecting Denzel like performance. I don't even think the movie will be good, but um, I'm going to tune in now just because Jed Howard's in there and I got high hopes for Jed Howard. So it'd be interesting to uh, to get this early look at him. We support all things Jet Howard, and we both also support any chance we can get to turn back the clocks and watch LeBron lose again. So it's a win-win for us. It's been it's been a while. I'm not a LeBron hater like you, but uh, current LeBron, uh, I'm pretty fed up with. Um, with this, though, obviously there is a connection between uh, LeBron James and Juwan Howard from their time there spent at Miami. There's been some rumors that one of the schools that Bronny James would look at if he uh, did, in fact, go to one and done or two and done at college would be Michigan. Would you want the media circus that comes with a Bronny James at Michigan, or would you rather he just go somewhere else and leave that for somebody else? If he's a top five player in his class, hell yeah, I want the attention, and I'll take the talent as well. But if he continues to be you know, a middling prospect, a fringe, you know, top 100, top 200 guy. I don't know exactly where he is right now um, from his Sierra Canyon team in high school. But if he's just this fringe guy, there's no reason you take a swing on him to bring all this attention. But if he's elite, you always take talent. I'm with you 100%. My one concern would be if he wasn't ready for it and LeBron James is like on the sideline, like, yo, Juwan, you got to put him in. Like, it's got to happen. He needs to get drafted. And, you know, then that impacts winning. I don't know that that would happen, but can't really put it past LeBron James. He thought it was a good good idea to go get Russell Westbrook this last offseason. So 
we just can't have him destroying what we got going at Michigan right now. So I agree with you. If the talent's there and he's one of those guys and he earns his starting role, yeah, bring him on. He's big. He looks like he could end up being bigger than LeBron. So, uh, But it'll be something to watch because, I mean, he is going to be uh, a recruit here, not this. I think it is this coming. Next year he'd be eligible, I think, if I'm not mistaken. As someone that wakes up extra early every morning just to hate a little bit, if LeBron destroys my basketball program, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just implode. Like, he also has a solo pod the rest of the year. <laughs> I mean, you're already there on LeBron James. You don't need a, a push over the edge to dislike him. But, yeah, that would set you up. That might uh, that might take me off of his team and, and ruin all the goodwill that he had when he was here in Ohio. But uh, just something to watch. I'd be uh, I'd be interested to see. I think I'd rather have Zaire Wade, to be honest, uh, Dwayne Wade's kid. That, that'd be kind of cool. And he's he looks like a legit prospect. So uh, but yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Excited to see Jet Howard in that role. More excited to see him in a Michigan uniform next year. Speaking of guys who at least wore the Michigan basketball uniform, uh, Jordan Poole or Nick Stauskas is going to get a ring. We've got our NBA finals set. Who you got in that? Who's getting a ring? Poole or Stauskas? I'm taking the Warriors in six here, but I don't feel great about it. The Celtics are the only team since Steve Kerr's been the coach of the Warriors to have a winning record against the Warriors. So Marcus Smart and the Wings will give them some problems with their size. But I think when the Warriors like are cooking, they can just unleash a 30 or 35 point avalanche quarter on you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I think the Celtics could be a little fatigued coming off this really hard fought series with Miami Heat and their scoring droughts are very concerning. So I think the Heat, uh, the Warriors get it done with some of the uh, the avalanches of offense like I alluded to. I think Jordan Poole is going to have a big factor in this game. And, hey, maybe the Celtics get ahead in one of these and we see some Stauskas because, you know, I'm, I'm always just pro-blue here. It'd be nice. We haven't seen much of Stauskas in the playoffs. He was signed just to give him, like, a little bit of a shooting push. But they haven't really needed it. I mean, Tatum and Brown have given him that. Marcus Smart's been effective. And, um, you know, they've got other guys as well. But, yeah, I agree with you. Boston uh, not only going seven games against Miami, going seven against uh, Milwaukee right before that. They have to be absolutely gassed going up against a Golden State team that hasn't had nearly that difficult of a path to get to. They're also deeper. Clay is just getting back into shape because he only played half the season. So it seems like one team is like just getting their legs under him while Boston's like, I wouldn't say they're limping into this thing, but I mean, that is a battle tested group. So I think it's going to be pool. And I mean, that's pretty crazy that Jordan pool is going to be a key contributor. Like you said last week, like we predicted he might be good, but key contributor, third best guy on a finals team, maybe like that's wild. I mean, right now he's probably above clay. I mean, we'll see clay's getting back to being the old clay, but even the fourth best player on a title team is pretty outstanding for Jordan Poole, And he's just getting started. That, that dude's going to play in a lot of playoff games. Yeah. Jordan Poole is super young in his career, wherever he ranks in the hierarchy of things right now. Um, won't really matter here in the next five years when he is going to be the guy. Because I think there's no way he gets out of uh, Golden State. It'll be him and Agent Curry. Kamingo will be coming on as well then. So, man, it's nuts. I, I never would have thought about this. I wish they would have talked more uh, in the Western Conference Finals about the rematch between he and Jalen Brunson from the 2018 National Championship when Michigan fell short against Nova. So, nice to get some revenge there. And, man, I, 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 for his sake, I really hope he gets it done in the finals and can bring a ring back. 
it would be more meaningful um, as just from a Michigan perspective if Jordan Poole wins it. If Nick Stauskas wins one just sitting on the bench, it's like just kind of a footnote, something that happened. But it's like, yeah, did it really happen? I mean, nobody nobody really counts that. Like the uh, the Academy Award that went to Shakespeare in Love. Like, yeah, sure, but come on, Saving Private Ryan was the best movie of that year. We all know that. Like, cool, you can have that award, but we don't count it. Exactly. Or it's like, yeah, how how the Suicide Squad, the 2016 one, won an Oscar. It's like, hey, Oscar winner, Suicide Squad. Hey, you see that? It's like, yeah, but not really. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, sticking with basketball before we shift over to football for the second half of this. Uh, Orlando Magic, after uh, hitting the lottery, the proverbial lottery last year and getting Franz Wagner, hit the actual lottery this year. They have the first pick. Who do you want to see next to Franz Wagner? Who would you see as like a good fit there? Maybe as a compliment to Franz as your star, or maybe as the star to to the complimentary Franz Wagner. I don't know where you see him yet and uh, his development if he's like star level or or excellent role player. But who would you like to see next to him and his brother Mo there in Orlando? I absolutely love Franz, and I'm not going to do him a disservice and put a ceiling on what he can be because he can defend, he can create, he can play off the ball. He's a great on-ball defender, so I'm not going to limit him. And I think that's a great piece for the Magic to have because I think he can play with any any of the top three in this draft, whether it be Caro, Chet Holmgren, or Jabari Smith. But as you know, I've been a Jabari guy for a while, and I'm not going to back off that now. I think he can get Jabari the ball in his space, let him score, and help him – like really excel at what he does best without sacrificing any of his own game. How do you see it? What I 100%. I wanted to disagree with you. And there's an argument to be made for Chet Holmgren and just having the longest, lankiest white guy team that's ever set foot on a basketball court since like 1956. It'd be bizarre to behold. I would be there for it. It would be absolutely wild. Um, but I, I think that getting Jabari there and then putting him at your four with uh, Franz at your three, you're still getting two guys that like can guard all up and down that roster. You get more shooting with Jabari. That's a really interesting pair that, uh, you know, technically he'd be a, a, a four Jabari would be, but it'd be like having two really elite wings, defensive wings like that. So I kind of like that as well. I like Jabari, but either way, you know, Orlando magic with Franz Wagner, he's a building block and, I don't know that they'll be playoff ready next year, but Franz Wagner's going to play in some playoff games. He's just he's too talented and and I think they're building the right way around him. So we're going to have a lot of Michigan guys to watch if you're into the NBA and, and especially watching the NBA come playoff time, which I think is a far superior product. I think the only player I really don't want to see play next to Franz there is Bancaro, just because of his defense, uh, some offensive questions, what he can do, whether he needs the ball, how does he move without it. I would prefer Jabari 1, Chet 2, and then Bancaro 3 in that position. I have it the same way. I think he'd kind of suck some of the air out of that. And um, there's like some offensive overlap there. I mean... I think Bancaro's 6'9", and Franz is 6'10", 6'11". So, I mean, you're not even really getting bigger at the power forward position, and you almost might want to play Franz at the four then. But Jabari could go three or four, super versatile, super switchable. Um, I like guys that play defense. Call me crazy. Um, So, yeah, I I, I agree with you on that one. I've got it the same way. Um, I might even have Jaden Ivey above Paulo Bancaro as far as a fit. That'd be pretty exciting, but maybe not at, at number one. You're the local NBA draft expert on this podcast, so I got to ask him, what are the Pistons going to do? 
Uh, wow. Uh, that is, uh, I guess on this podcast, since there's two of us, I'll take this compliment, but even that feels like a bit of a stretch. Um, it feels to me like if Jade Ivy's there, they're, they're going to grab him and Jade Ivy will be a piston. I don't know what the Sacramento Kings are going to do at number four though. That's where the draft really turns on its head and somebody probably is willing to trade up and get that spot to get a Jade Ivy. I know there's a lot of teams that like him, so I'd be surprised if he were there. And then you're kind of looking at a Keegan Murray, which uh, doesn't exactly get the blood pumping for me. Uh, a lot of Tobias Harris vibes from Keegan Murray. Um, you know, somebody compared him to Pascal Siakam. I just don't see that. Um, I think he's probably closer to a Tobias Harris. And we've already we've already been on that ride. So um, I think it'll be one of Ivy or Keegan Murray. I don't necessarily see us trading out of that. Trading up could be a possibility, trading up to four, but we don't really have a ton of other assets. So uh, one of Ivy or Keegan Murray would be my guess. Um, Not exactly who I would want, but uh, Ivy would be. I would like Ivy. That'd be cool. I'm going to write down on a piece of paper like in draft day. Kevin Costner did it. It's going to be like Ivy. Then it's going to be like um, semicolon. If trade down, Sohan. It's always been (laughs) Sohan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like Ivy, comma, parentheses, these other conditions. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Ivy, no matter what. In there has left, to be strings attached. Yeah. C, amendment C. Yeah, I'm with you, man. But uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch over to football. We are moving on in our positional breakdown this week. It is the linebackers group. And uh, I'm not drinking any beer this time, but I kind of wish that I was because this one might be a little bit harder to get through than the safeties. But uh, we will get into it when we get back right after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue, second half of this podcast, all football. We are switching to the defense. We are going to linebackers. Last week, we did the preview on the safeties, kind of walked through uh, the players that you might see, went through the coaches on the back end. We're going to do the same this week. On to the linebackers, which how would you describe your overall feelings on the linebacker room in three words or less, Andy? Concerned yet hopeful. Yeah, I'll go with not good, Bob. That's uh, that's how I'm feeling. It's I, I am I am hopeful. I am hopeful. I'm just I'm a little more concerned, mostly because of the lack of depth. 
And I'm concerned that Junior Colson and High Hill Green are going to need to be like soaking in bath salts after every single one of these games for the amount of snaps they're going to need to play just because I don't know who's coming in after those guys. So uh, let's get into it here. Uh, linebacker group's going to be uh, coached by George Hilo, Jay Harbaugh moving over from special teams to help out there. I think that that is actually telling. We kind of just glanced over that move, but Jay Harbaugh's become an elite coach, and we'll get into his background here in a minute. But the fact that they moved him over there, I don't think that was just to kind of shuffle things around. I think that they legitimately like, no, you can help here. We need all of our all hands on deck for the linebacker group. What do you think? Jay Harbaugh can do no wrong. In my opinion, I think he can do a little bit of everything there. And, you know, I think it's a good group to have over coaching with. Like you have young guys, a lot of talent between Colson and Nakai Hill Green there. Michael Barrett's been there forever. So it's like you have three guys up there that played extensively last season. But these younger guys need brought along a little bit. I think that's why you see the push. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, you're not going to overcoach this position. Now, we do have experience there. You know, obviously, we know those two guys, Junior Colson and Nakai Hill Green. Pretty familiar with them coming back and I think we're in good shape there. Do we have a star amongst the two? I think we do. I think it's absolutely your boy Junior Colson who started as a true freshman. Like I think that is the star in the building of this group. I think Nikai Hill Green has the leadership chops as does Barrett, but to your point when we started this thing off, it's the depth is the issue, but there is star potential. Yep, I'm with you. So uh, George Hilo, he's been an assistant coach uh, since 2021 um, and his second season as linebackers coach. I mean, he got the Wolverines into the top 20 in defense there. Uh, he had all Americans on that team. Josh Ross led the team in tackles. Um, third team, all Big Ten honors, not all American, excuse me. Um, Roger Zatkoff award. I don't know what that award means, but Josh Ross won it under him. Uh, Ross set career highs in tackles, tackles for loss. Junior Colson had 61 stops. Hill Green had 50 impact players. Colson being a freshman All-American honors. So like what he did with these guys in his first year. Um, but now you lose Josh Ross. And if you go back and especially watch Michigan State and Michigan State, not a great day for the linebackers um, and Ohio State you'll see that Josh Ross was super important to what we did. And how do you feel like we make up for the loss of Josh, Josh Ross as just kind of like one of the captains of the, of the defense? It, it's his, his leadership is really hard to quantify and replace because arguably he had the most important play in the Ohio state game with that uh, third down stop uh, against uh, Travion Henderson in the third quarter of mm -hmm. their opening drive. So, and then, I mean, last season he had 106 tackles, the most in a single season of the Jim Harbaugh era. So he just really grew up before our eyes and capped in that defense and brought a calming presence to everybody and an accountability in the front seven as well. I mean, mixed with Aiden Hutchinson, of course. So I don't think you replace that right away. Colson is more of a lead by example guy. So I think a lot of that responsibility is going to be have to be assumed by Nikai Hill Green, whether fair or not. I think being the uh, captain and general of that defense right in the middle, you have to assume some of that responsibility. And he was fortunate enough to be able to learn from Ross the last two seasons. Which will help him this season. I agree with you there. So guys to know, we've already mentioned a lot of these guys, Junior Colson, Nikai Hill, Green, Michael Barrett. These are the guys that you will see at some point on defense. Do we agree with those three for we're sh for sure going to see them? Anybody else you want to add in there maybe? Absolutely, and we should note we're not discussing like 
Viper positions or uh, pass rushers li- like labeled as a linebacker, like David Ojabo last year or Jalen Hurts. No, no, this we're year. we're talking strictly the will and the mic. And if you go back and watch those games, um, Ohio State, Michigan State, which are the two that I looked at, rarely do you see more than two true linebackers on the field. In fact, I mean, trying to think of it, I don't know how often you saw more than two like a real linebackers on the field for Michigan defense at all last last year. It's just not how they operated. So they'll do that again this year, which is good because we don't have a lot of linebacker depth. So you'll see Michael Barrett come in. Who then will be uh, the other part of this too deep? The wild cards or the guys you might see are Kalel Mullings, Joey Velasquez, who is now a Big Ten champion in football and baseball. Congrats to him. Jaden Hood. Tyler McLaurin and Jimmy Rolder. So who do you think is most likely to crack the two deep um, at the beginning of the season and who ends up on the two deep? I think Kaleo Mullings is a safe bet early on. He has experience in the game, especially in 2020. We saw his versatility and what he could do at the spring game, also playing running back. So he has that sideline to sideline speed. It's probably more of a will. So he'll probably back up junior Colson. You and I were talking off air, and two of our favorites, especially mine, Jimmy Rolder, one of my favorite incoming freshmen who I would, like you said, I would bet the tip of my pinky at least that he is going to be playing by the end of the season. And don't sleep on Tyler McLaurin, a true sophomore on this team, or might even be a redshirt freshman, and he might have maintained his eligibility, uh, was two-time defensive scout team player of the week last year. And that's that's very impressive for a young kid to do that and just shows the kind of effort he's putting in behind the scenes. So I would not sleep on him either. I'm with you there. I don't know what to make of the Kalel Mullings thing. Him playing both ways, like surely you're not going to have him play the two deep both ways. Ideally, you won't have to use him as a running back, but it was just bizarre to see him at running back. And also, we don't really have anybody after... Um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting. I'm completely blanking on our third string running back right now. Uh, help me. Thank you, Tavi. Yeah, and we don't have anyone after Tavi, so I don't know if he's more important to the running back group or, or to the linebacker group. Um, it, it, and it's hard really to say. I mean, you would jump to linebackers, but at the same time, you know, I like some of the guys that you mentioned there. McLaurin, Jimmy Rolder. We're on the same page with Jimmy Rolder. I'm not willing to bet my life, but I'll bet like maybe a shaved head or shave an eyebrow or something that we're going to see Jimmy Rolder. I don't even think that you can redshirt him. I think he's probably too important of a recruit. And just like with what we've got here, you got to get him in and start getting him snaps because you need to be looking beyond the days of of Colson and Hill Green and stuff too. So um, it, it's extremely interesting. Um, does Joey Velasquez maybe back up Michael Barrett? I mean, I could see something like that. Maybe you bring in Barrett and Velasquez. Um, I, I don't really know what you're, what's to be expected of Joey Velasquez either. And then Jaden Hood here is a complete wild card. I think one of the best things about the 2022 schedule for this team, especially the linebacker group, um, especially is that it opens up with Colorado State, Hawaii, and Yukon all at home. So a lot of these two and three deep linebackers could see full halves of playing time and really get their feet under. And we can see what they have on the field and gain that experience. Because I think somebody like a Joey Velasquez, I don't know what he can bring. Could he back up Michael Barrett? Could he play the will? Could he do something different? So I think the first three games of this season will afford a group so unproven but full of potential like a chance to shine and show what we have and what we potentially don't of have. Of this group here, who do you like the most against the run? Who's the best blitzer? Who's the best in coverage? 
Oh man, that's a great question. I like uh, I like I like Junior Colson uh, really well against the pass in coverage. I like Michael Barrett in coverage as well. I like Nikai Hill Green towards the line of scrimmage, but I think this group is missing that pass rushing linebacker. Like Josh Ross wasn't asked to do it much last season, but he could still shoot the gap and get to the I think it can be Junior Colson, but you didn't see a lot of it last year, but I could see him taking that step this year. I agree with you. Barrett and Colson are your best in coverage. Hill Green against the run looks like he's pretty solid, but Hill Green, like what you lose, the drop-off in coverage is is pretty big there. So hopefully he takes a step in coverage this year. Colson's the most well-rounded of the group, would we say? Absolutely. And he's only a true right, sophomore. Right. So he can get a lot better. Like let's let's not act like he was some uh like seasoned veteran out there. None of these guys were. Michael Barrett is the I think Michael Barrett is a I don't even know what it's getting so weird to keep track of the eligibility with the COVID year thrown in there. It's it's getting near impossible because you're seeing different things on different sites at this point. He's been there since I believe the Monroe Doctrine yeah, was yeah, signed. Yeah, that sounds right. So we're talking um, 88th year senior. So <laughs> getting up there in age, but that man can still cover. Uh, Michael Barrett, I mean, I really like Michael Barrett. He had uh, one of the best plays of 2020. I think he can be an impact guy for you. He's probably on your two deep. Uh, last year, it was Ross and Colson running with the ones. And when they went out, Hill Green and Barrett came in together. So I expect to see something similar to that. Junior Colson, Hill Green are your ones Barrett comes in with, I mean, whoever take your pick. I think by the end of the year, it's going to be Rolder though, but I also like your Tyler McLaurin call. Like we've seen a lot of these three-star guys that you and I kind of just forget are on the, on the roster. And they, they do stuff like that. And and with the scout team stuff that we don't see stuff that we don't really hear about or make too big of a deal about, but behind the scenes they are getting work done. So I like that, that you bring up Tyler McLaurin. So there's some young guys there that, are going to have opportunity. So that's going to be exciting for them, but it's not a great thing for your team to be like, well, we need a freshman or a red shirt freshman to come in and play big minutes this year. It's not a great feeling, but we saw the benefits of it last year with junior Colson stepping up in place of Nikai Hill green and becoming that guy. So while it's not something you've won, it's at least not unprecedented. Here. Let me tell you something that is unprecedented, and that's the deals you can get at Home Field Apparel. These are our people at Home Field Apparel. We've been working with them now for a couple of years, and uh, they've been working on my bank account because my closet is filled. It's summertime. I can rock nothing but Michigan gear throughout the summer, and Home Field Apparel's got you covered. New school, old school designs, all the colleges that you could look for. Uh, I suggest you get some Michigan apparel, but if for some reason maybe you got some loved ones that are you know, sadly a fan of another school. They got you covered there too. And you can get 20% off your first purchase when you go to homefieldapparel.com when you use MNB at checkout. All right, so let's do a little overrated, underrated, properly rated. Um, oh, it's, actually, no, before we get into that, Jay Harbaugh. Let's do a little Jay Harbaugh blurb because uh, he's worthy of this. Jay Harbaugh now, uh, he's been all up and down the Michigan coaching staff. This is your Swiss army knife on this coaching staff. And it would have been easy early on to think nepotism when Jay Harbaugh was added to this staff far from it. I mean, this dude is, he's the next Harbaugh and eventually this dude's going to get a a head coaching job somewhere. Assistant special team coach for four seasons, 2015 to 2019 before special teams coordinator prior to last season. 
two stints coaching tight ends as well, 2015, 16, and 2021. Uh, there was a period in there where he led the running back group. He's been all over, but now he's on the defensive side of the ball for the first time this season after being named special teams coordinator of the year in 2021. He had the nation's number one ranked special teams unit last year, according to Football Outsiders, number two unit in 2019. So this is a dude that I think gets overlooked because of the last name. But I mean, top three position coaches we've got on the team right now. I mean, especially after losing McDonald and Gaddis, right? Absolutely, and we should clean something up a little bit here. Uh, Harbaugh's actually coaching the safeties this year, but will kind of be in the versatile position of working with like the Michael Barrett's of the world and kind of intermixing in this position. But we bring him up here because we're also going to touch on the specialists at the back end. And because of that ability to work with like different groups and just really climb the ladder, like when you dig into Jay Harbaugh's history, he he. Nothing was given to him. He earned it all. I mean, it probably helped him get his foot in the door. There's no doubt about that. But Jay Harbaugh worked his ass off at every stop making nickels on his way up. And last year what he did with the special teams was outstanding. And, yeah, I'm fully there with you that he is a top three positional coach on this team. And I think he's a head coach in the next five to seven years. Yeah, apologies for saying linebackers. We were doing him this week because we did not talk about him last week with the safeties. Um so I don't know why I said we moved him over there to help George Hilo. George Hilo, if he ever happens to hear this, is going to be like, I'm sorry, what's happening? Um, but, but we did not talk about Jay Harbaugh last week. So we wanted to give him his due. Um, definitely, um, yeah, I, I think underrated and a guy that's going to be a, a really good head coach someday somewhere. Do you think that when Jay Harbaugh does get his chance, like uh, as maybe an offensive or defensive coordinator, he probably goes offense, right? When that time comes and that's how the, the progression will be. Or does he stay with Michigan until he's the next offensive coordinator? How do you see that that career playing out for him? Oh, that's a lot of fun to think about. I think eventually he'll be an offensive coordinator. And I think it's going to be under Jim, honestly. I, don't, I think he enjoys working for his father. They seem to have a great working relationship and a great familial relationship as well. And I do think it's on the offensive side of the ball. That's where they've had all of their – I mean, most of his work has been there up until this season, really. And But, I mean, he may not need one. He might just go straight from special teams coordinator to a head coach. Look at his uncle, John Harbaugh. He did that in the NFL. So you just go straight from the STC right onto the big HC. So um, I, I'm not going to say anything like negative on him because at every stop he's proven to be successful. And I think he's a very, very valuable asset on this coaching I'm with staff. you. Yeah, it's hard to predict how this will go. There's so many variables, so many outcomes that could come from this. But I mean – I wouldn't would you think that there'd be a concern or maybe you know we wouldn't because we've been watching this guy coach there for five, six years. Uh, but do you think there would be a concern among like uh, maybe the less involved Michigan fan that like, oh, my God, he's just promoting his son to coordinator. Do you think there'd be any like national pushback if he were to say like next year, promote his son to offensive coordinator? national I, I don't think so because they could just say look at the resume there's always going to be a couple rock eaters and twitter mentions being upset about it but 
he was one of the best coordinators in the country last year. Like he's proven it like year in and year out. He's earned this. If in 2015 he was given a coordinator position, yeah, by all means, you know, say whatever you want about him. But no, he's earned I'm it. I'm with you. I agree with you there. All right, let's get back on the linebackers here. Uh, overrated, underrated, properly rated. All right. Um, give me Junior Colson, Nikai Hill Green, Michael Barrett. Actually, you can give me any of the linebackers. There's only so many to choose from. You know who's on there. Okay, I'm going to go underrated uh, Tyler McClorm because what we talked about, you really have to dig in to see the size he put on in his first two years in Michigan. Came to Ann Arbor at 210, almost up to 240 in the spring. Big boy. Uh, I'm going to go properly rated. I'm going to go Junior Colson. And I'm going to – I mean – Obvious reasons. Junior Colson's a dog, and he's going to keep being a dog. And uh, overrated is tough. I'm going to go maybe – it's tough with Nikai Hill Green, but I would say probably him because being your starting Mike, you expect a little bit more from that position for when we saw the weaknesses last year. While there weren't too many in his game, the ones he had were glaring. So I would go with Nikai Hill Green a little overrated. I would go with Junior Colson properly rated and Tyler McLaurin underrated. I'll tell you who's not overrated, that's Joey Velasquez. Good Lord, man. This dude's out there not even going to baseball practices. He's all in on football and yet still managed to win a Big Ten championship in football and baseball. Um, So we will not speak ill of that man on this podcast, but not sure how much we'll see him on the football field this year. Uh, I like your Tyler McLaurin call. That was pretty good there. Um, All right, I'm going to mix it up. For the sake of variety, I'm going to say Junior Colson is underrated. I'm going to say he's underrated nationally. Not by us. I think we're well aware of what he can be, but you're, I'm going to get back on the Colson train. I started to maybe, uh, you know, the train was slowing down. I was getting my baggage ready. I was eyeing the platform, maybe about to take a step off. But I'm telling the conductor to put more put more steam on it. I'm back on the Colson train because he's the best option we have there by far. Um, let's not forget what this dude was as a recruit. There's another level to go up. Some people take the sophomore slump. Some people take the sophomore jump. I'm predicting the jump, so I'm going to say he's nationally underrated. I think I think you're right, though. I think we know what he can be, but I'm saying more on the national scale. Uh, I'll say properly late rated is Nakai Hill Green. Like he's good, he's fine. Uh, will he be a linebacker? I'm telling my kids about. Uh, probably not. Um, and then overrated. Well, we know it's not jo- Joey Velasquez. Uh, I don't think it's Jimmy Rolder because he hasn't played yet. Um, I guess it'll be Kalel Mullings. I just because the whole situation confuses me. I don't know how you can be a linebacker and a running back. Like literally, you're going to be taking the worst hits of anybody on the team. Those are the two position groups that take the worst hits. That's a lot of punishment. Now, granted, he's not going to be running a lot, but like even in practice and stuff. I, I just don't know. I think he's only going to be one or the other, and I don't even know if it's going to be a linebacker or if it's going to be a running back. So because of that, I'll say that he's maybe a little bit uh, overrated as a linebacker. That's a good list. And, of course, I mean, no Joey Velasquez slanders ever allowed here. I don't care who we have on. You said it best. The man's going to be a senator someday. I mean, that's that's Back. just the bar. That's the low yeah. bar for him. But – um. Of this, this group is very interesting because, like, it's besides Colson, and like you even said last year, you were like one of the highest on him and you started to fall off. Could any of these guys become one of the, would you put them in the upper echelon of Jim Harbaugh linebacker? So you think of Devin Bush, Ben Gideon, Josh Ross, uh, 2017 Mike McCray, 
Like you think of people like that. Do any of them have that talent? Could uh, does could Junior Colson be a Josh Ross or a Devin Bush? On this absolutely. Uh, I don't know about a Devin Bush. Devin Bush was a game wrecker. Uh, I don't know if Colson has that kind of dog in him. Um, but say you extrapolated that list out. You went Mike McCray at four. Do you go Cam McGrone at five? I already have Junior Colson above Cam McGrone. So that should give you a level that, that I mean, I think already he's like right there in that Mike McCray range as far as like how good he is. I mean, remember, this dude was a freshman. So, yeah, absolutely. He could get up there. He could surpass Josh Ross. He could surpass Ben Gideon. Devin Bush is going to be a tough one. Um, if he pl- if he stays all four years, he could surpass all these dudes, honestly, and be the best linebacker of the Harbaugh era. He has the size. He has the talent. He's smart. I mean, he, never do I remember texting you at any point last year, like cursing Junior Colson for being wildly out of position. There was some stuff against Michigan State where we were like, eh, not the best look. But Kenneth Walker is a problem. And this was a freshman like I wasn't overly upset with anything there. Um I don't know about Nakai Hill Green. The next guy in the roster that I think could be a star is Jimmy Rolder. So uh, it's obviously too early for him, but super high on him and you're going to see him. I mean, I'm just let's start to plan our flag. How do you see it? I'm very similar. I think he I think Ben Gideon, like I I normally don't like to do cross racial comps, but I think that's a good comp for the way he plays. Like that's a good ceiling for who he could be because Gideon in 16 had 94 tackles and 15 and a half tackles for loss was just a problem on that defense. So I really I think that's a good place for him to be just a different style linebacker than Devin Bush, not quite the missile that he was in 17 and 18. So no, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think he could end up being like in that range there, but his longevity could make him be the best one on paper of the Jim Harbaugh era. I'm with you. All right. So last thing we're gonna do here before we go, we got some benchmarks to look at here. He had 61 tackles last year. Junior Colson did. Um, do you think that he or Nakai Hill Green can break the tackles record? Uh, under Michigan you got 106 tackles by Josh Ross last year he set the record 95 by Bush in 2017 94 by Ben Gideon in 2016 where does Colson or Orma um, Hill Green end up on this list this year and, and these are the benchmarks for the hard buyer we're not going back to the 70s when people are putting up like 200 tackles in the no. season so um I don't think he gets to 100 because you got to keep in mind Josh Ross also had 14 games for it, and we're not guaranteed that this year. But I do think uh, – I feel like the over-under for his tackles this year is 85 and a half. I'm almost the exact same. Hill Green, who had 50 tackles last year, um, also going to have much bigger responsibilities this year, and I could see him being up in the 70s, 80s. Um, but I, I've got him, yeah, high 80s. If he stays healthy, he could crack that that upper 90s. He's going to be so important to this linebacker room, man. Like, we were kind of joking about, like, how sore these dudes are going to be after games because we're not going to be able to sit them. I mean, in certain games, yeah, in the first couple games, you can probably do that because we're not going up against top-tier opponents. But against Michigan State and Ohio State, like, y'all are playing the whole game. So we're going to need them a lot. Um, and because they're going to be on the field a lot, I see big numbers. That's a great point to it, and I don't think they're going to approach tackles for loss or the sack numbers put up in the Jim Harbaugh era by Mike McCray, Ben Gideon, or Devin Bush just because 
they're not asked to do the same things. Those were Don Brown defenses that were just so much different than what they are now. They're more asked to be the tackle machine that Josh Ross was last year, be the security blanket, let the defensive ends, like the edge rushers, cook in this offense. So I don't think they're going to approach those. You could see just these two guys together both push for 80 or 90 tackles, which would be outstanding. And I think that's the best-case scenario for this I think defense. they'll get a couple sacks, but uh, Devin Bush had five-and-a-half sacks in 2017 from the linebacker position. I agree with you. I don't think we'll get over that. Mike McRae, 16 tackles for loss in 2017. Once again, I agree. I don't think we'll go over that just because, like you mentioned, what they're going to be asked to do in this. They're just going to kind of be asked to push everything back towards you know the line of scrimmage, keep everything contained, and go downhill. I mean, they're they're going to be downhill at the quarterback, at the running back. They'll be out in coverage from time to time, but I don't foresee them being a, as big of rushing threats as some of these past defenses. I'm with you on that. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a fascinating position group to watch. We did our rankings. We ranked this as was it lowest or second lowest on our uh, like confidence meter for the position group? I think it was lowest. Uh, this. This was lowest, yeah, just because of yeah, the depth. This was lowest, and we got you know a defensive tackle transfer in there now too, so it's definitely definitely linebacker rooms. But uh, this was interesting, man. You feeling any better about this group after this discussion, or the exact same? I'm feeling a little better, like digging into Tyler McLaurin and things like that made me feel good. Uh, but before we get off here, I have uh, three superlatives, just three extra questions here to throw at you regarding the specialists on this team because they won't have an entire podcast dedicated to them. So I just want to throw these at you and All right, get your let's thoughts. do some specialists. Hit me. All right. Day, game one and Ohio State. Who is returning kicks? Who is returning punts? And if you say Ronnie Bell, I'm just getting off now. right now. Come on now. I'm not a I'm not uh I'm not so daft. Um I will say right off the bat, I could see Will Johnson. Uh I think AJ Henning's too important. I mean, by the sound of it, they're gonna be using this dude as Debo Samuel. Um so I don't know that you want him returning kicks as well. You got a lot of options there. Um, I'll say Will Johnson or maybe Darius Clemens. That's that's interesting. I want to throw a couple more names at you. I think AJ Henning is punts all the way. There's just you're not you're oh, not changing punt. that yeah. one. Uh, kicks though, you could have. Yeah, at, at kicks, you could have Will Johnson. You could have Mikey Sainer still, Tyler Morris, DJ Turner even, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. You could go in a lot of different directions. Definitely could. So I'll go Henning punts, but kicks, I'm going to go Johnson. Um, ooh, Andrell Anthony's not on this list. That dude's electric. What I'm going to go Johnson Andrell. That's a good one. That's a player you really want with the ball in his hands, especially with like such a crowded receiver yeah, room. Yeah, I think it should be one of the receivers. We just got a bevy of those dudes, and some of them need stuff to do. So I'll go Will Johnson and Andrell Anthony. But Andrell Anthony Darius Clemens is fascinating, too. That'd be awesome. All right, next question. Is punter Brad Robbins the most likable yes. Wolverine yes, on the move roster? On. No, no. All right, let's actually work, let's actually workshop this. There might be some other guys. It's either it's him, Ronnie Bell, Blake Corum, McCarthy, but it's Blake. No, it's Robbins, man. Brad Robbins, like the chair, the chair above the head. Come on. 
<laughs> Brad Robbins is a king, and like there will be no slander. Joey Velasquez is like was it like to enter the yeah, chat? Though. Yeah, that's a dude. I mean, there's going to be some guys that really rise up the rankings this year. I mean, uh, Rod Moore. We definitely stand for Rod Moore on this podcast, but. Uh, you know, Brad Robbins has been there for a little bit and just seems like a great dude to drink a 30 rack of bush light to and go do donuts in the farmer's field. He is an offensive lineman in a punter's yeah, body. Exactly. And um, we're not condoning anyone to get drunk and go do donuts in a farmer's field, but that's just what it's like to hang out with Brad Robbins. I assume. You leave that to professionals <laughs> like you and I. All right. Last question. Is Jake Moody the best kicker in Michigan history? Now, let me give you the okay. brief resume. He's currently eighth in kicker points of all time at Michigan, currently third most accurate with 30 or more attempts at 81.6%. He's never missed an extra point, and he's the only Lou Groza award winner in UM history, an award that's been handed out annually since 1992. While he's not as prolific as Garrett Rivas, who has 354 career points from 03 to 06, Revis was not the just sniper that Jake Moody was. He was only uh, 94% on extra points and only 78% on field goals. With another good season, could Jake Moody be the best kicker we've ever seen where the wing This one's actually a pretty easy yes for me because I was watching Michigan pretty thoroughly uh, by the time Revis was around. So I watched a lot of Revis, and Revis was far from automatic. I mean, I remember, like, cursing the gods for Garrett Revis at times, and he was just there forever. And he was pretty good. I mean, you'd take Garrett Revis, but as you mentioned, 78% on field goals, and we're at about 82% um, from Jake Moody. I mean, third most accurate of UM kickers in history. And, I mean, just he might not end up being the best in any one category as a kicker, but the consistency, the fact that uh, he was part of a Big Ten championship team, the fact that we have, like, because of him, won several games. I mean, there's some some games you just don't win without Jake Moody, period. Um, yeah, I, I'll say Jake Moody with one more good season is the best, at least in our lifetimes, for sure. I think I'm going to pick a guy named Garrett over Jake Money Moody. Get out of my face. Look, we stand for Jake Moody. Another one of the potentially most likable guys. He's never done anything wrong to hurt me. He's never hurt anyone at Michigan. Just a specialist. Specialists on this team are the most likable position group. group it's a role. weird, weird take, but you're not wrong. Yeah, the specialists are extremely likable and uh yeah, yeah, I'm on board with it, man. Jake Moody, best in Michigan history, or at least best of our lifetimes. That's great. I'm here for it, brother. Great, great call on that. Great dig on the specialists. We've come a long way. This unit has in likability since the Quinn Norden days. Oh, my days. God. <laughs> yeah, we have done a total 180 from the Quinn Nordeen <laughs> days where you and I would just sit here smoking cigarettes, drinking bourbon, like thinking of insults for Quinn Nordeen. It's uh, we just have to like stop and be like, nope, we can't say that he is only you know twenty years old. Nope, yeah. got to take that off. Can't put that out. So yeah, it's 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 nice to have a guy we can rally behind like Jake Moody and just universally love and praise. <laughs> yeah, we definitely had to cut some Quinn Nordine jokes because they wouldn't make it past the editor. But uh, we got through it. We got through that era, and uh, you know we got through it. And it definitely seemed like it it lasted longer than his time in the NFL because it did. Um, but yeah, those days are behind us now. Those days are behind us now. But uh, oh man, is 
is the single maddest we've ever been at a player though 2018 Notre Dame John Runyon uh no I was pretty mad at Jake Moody when he you know the or not Jake Moody excuse me um Quinn Nordine the do your effing job moment was uh that was pretty upsetting but John Runyon we were we were pretty harsh on him that was one of the bigger 180s we've ever taken now I would like I would lay down and fr- on a puddle so that uh, John Runyon could cross it without wetting his shoes. <laughs> yeah, he just rubbed it in our face and finished the year as the first team uh, all Big Ten left tackle. Like, yeah, you know what? You had one bad game, and then you were like one of the best in the country the next eleven. I'll gladly. Grow yeah, we this. learned some lessons on that one too. We're like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe wait uh, to determine what I think of Zach Zinter here. You know. We've seen guys uh, have one bad game and then emerge from that. So, yeah, lessons were learned, um, you know, at the expense of uh, at the expense of Quinn Nordine and uh, John Runyon that one time. Yeah, always cool down before the hottest takes. Yeah. Just wise. I mean, yeah, then they're just by. trash takes. So, yeah, yeah. Let the let the the game simmer for a day and then make your your takes. I think that's wise advice, sir. Let the crayon eaters have the, you know, the Indeed, sir. Uh, anything else from you before we call it here? <laughs> no, man, this is good. I, I'm really loving this breakdown and like getting into some of the nitty gritty and like, you know, seeing if I'm going to be having a panic attack when we play UConn at the linebacker position. But uh, no, this is this has been fun so far, man. Can we yeah, keep doing uh, it? Moving on the defensive line next week. Really looking forward to that. There's definitely some names to talk about there. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter, at Maze and Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.